Hello, and welcome to Dave Hill's podcasting incident with me, Dave Hill, the pride of Cleveland and beyond. Uh, last night, I got a free uh, cheese curd from this guy on the street in Montreal. Thank you. I'm in Montreal right now. That's that's my point. Uh, I'm in my hotel room taking a quick, quick break from the media onslaught. Chris, are you there? I am. Chris Gersbeck from an undisclosed bunker, secret bunker mm-hmm. in Queens. Oh, you know, I was thinking this could be the French-Canadian episode. <laughs> Do you but know then, any French, like, uh, oui. aside from... Yeah, oh. Bonjour. Okay. Oui. Bonjour. Ça va. But anyway, I was thinking that, and, and if that's kind of all the French I know, so uh, we could also make it... I've been really getting into ASMR lately. Oh, you have. So check this out. <clears throat> yeah. Can you hear this? Yeah. You, is that coming across? Is that Velcro? No, but that's a good guess. It is me taking my hotel key card and dragging it across my face. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have, have you not shaven in a couple days? Well, this is the crazy thing. I shaved this morning. I've, I lost a lot of blood, Chris. Um, I've been doing... I'm here in Canada promoting my new book, Parking the Moose, which came out two days ago. And uh, I'll just say it. I'm begging everyone to buy it because yeah. uh, basically, you know, when you write a book and the book comes out, it's how that book sells that determines whether anyone will ever give you money to write another one. So we're in the crunch time of... Uh, are you vacuuming? No, my... God. Are you, are you my, trying to out ASMR me? No, mate. The the guy who vacuums outside in our building always picks the exact moment that we decide to start recording an episode to vacuum fucking... right outside my door. He's in your building? Well, he's you know he's like the uh, the porter. You should tell him to fuck off. No, don't do that. That's that's too harsh. Uh, I guess just let it, you know, this is the French-Canadian ASMR slash uh, other vacuum. Is there, do you think, is there like a thing where people are really into vacuums and stuff? I'm guessing. <laughs> it's got to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing a... Uh, a news report on well, it was like a news report but it was like a feature on some kid who all he wanted for christmas like he collected vacuum cleaners and he really wanted this amazing vacuum cleaner for christmas and uh i found that kind of fascinating wow um that's interesting that's uh, so well, I, that seems like an expensive uh what is he like uh a fancy lad that he can afford all uh <laughs> or his parents were the kid was like 10 vacuum that's a weird oh, jesus christ he's literally like right outside my door well i mean how dirt i guess this goes back to how how dirty can your hallway be what's going on over there <laughs> it's not dirty at all he does this like every day he vacuums every day it seems like it I gotta give him credit. My 
landlord vacuums uh, not very frequently. Yeah. And, uh, let me tell you. I mean, it's only an issue because of my because Lucy. Uh, there's a lot of dog hair. Let's yeah. be honest. And um, yeah. Anyway, it sounds like he's he's moving. Yeah. You know, I have to say, not to uh, though. I guess this podcast is pretty much. Jumping around is the name of the game, but we did a Skype call the other day with video, and I could see your apartment. Uh-huh. And it looks very, uh, very stylish. Oh, thank you. It looks like you have like fancy wallpaper. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that was here when we got here. But yeah. oh, okay, still though. And my my four year old niece pulled a good section of it off that you, you can't see, but. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> That's what I said. Oh man, I would I would uh take her out of the will or whatever. <laughs> it enrages me. It enrages me. Um but uh anyway, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Montreal right now. I'm doing I have a short this is going to be a short episode for anyone mm-hmm. that's like please let it be a long episode. No. It's short. Yeah, I'm on this media blitz. Um, yeah, I saw you were on uh, national Canadian television multiple times. Yeah, that's then, exciting. Uh, oh, it's wild. I've been on. I've been going on like the equivalent of like the Today Show and Good Morning America and such in Canada, and uh, and then doing radio and all this stuff. And it, you posted an incredible screenshot this morning too. Oh yeah, my my. Uh, um, one of the guys from my my publisher posted. Yeah, they. I was talking about my book, and news just broke about the new book. Talking about for the listener, I'm. I Chris, you already know this. You just mentioned it, but for the listener, um, a new book came out alleging that Matt Lauer uh, raped somebody, and uh, and so on. Uh, Montreal, like a local show uh it was what is it they have me talking about my book and then the ticker says book accuses matt lauer of raping nbc news <laughs> whatever the rest says i mean that's but, not funny at all but the fact that it's a picture of, of you sitting there with the ticker it's just absolutely hilarious no yeah and, it's the we're not making light of rape let's be clear but um yeah, the juxtaposition was highly amusing. I was laughing uh, yeah. quite a bit when I discovered it. So It's uh, also the, the top story also is Montreal police are investigating after receiving reports of shots fired in the same way Tuesday night. Oh, man. <clears throat> um, yeah, I... Uh, it's really all by way of saying it's all going my way up here in Canada. Yeah. Um, I I'm coming home to New York City tomorrow. If you're thinking of uh, breaking into my home, I'm coming back. Um, and then I then I go to the West Coast. I go to Vancouver next next week. Wow. Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg. It's gonna be wild. Yeah. I'm going to the Canadians game tonight. Oh, cool. The, you know the hockey team. Yeah, uh, they're playing the Red Wings. It's a classic original six lineup. Do you I get a, re- Do you get really into uh, hockey games when you're there? 
I mean, as much as I, you know, can show enthusiasm for anything, oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, as sports go, hockey's far and away my number one. Uh, I have very little interest in any other sport. I, I enjoy a nice tennis match. Mm-hmm. I like baseball to an extent. Uh, if, if there's like, I, you know, I like to go to a game and have it going on while I just chat the whole time. Yeah, that, that's my favorite part. I, I go to Yankee games with my dad every now and then. And I'm telling you, you just get to hang out for a few hours. It's fun. Yeah, you just talk. And then there's like, a, there's a, a, <laughs> a high level sporting event happening in front of you to, you know, to take care of any lulls in the conversation. You just go like, oh, wow, look at that. Some chin music. Um, yeah. But yeah, the hockey game, I'm psyched. I got some pretty sweet tickets. And uh, I'm going to go and just go all in French-Canadian style and uh, get up to... Hopefully, I'll make the news again. Yeah. Not just for my book, but for, you know, setting fire to a car or something, I guess. Something like that. Well, did you Did you play hockey when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. I played up until my junior... No, sophomore year in college. And then... Oh, wow. My will to rock just prevailed um did you ever get into any uh fights oh yeah Whoa. i'm a peaceful man as i hope you know but when it, when i'm on the ice all bets are off did you ever lose any teeth no no because i you know by the time i started playing it was everyone wore masks yeah um so i've never played without a face mask so the worst it ever got is i i cut my chin open once Hmm. That's as, as as horrible as. But so in, in hockey, like when you get in hockey fights, it's more like symbolic violence. Yeah. Because everyone has, you know, if you're wearing the masks and all that, it doesn't hurt <laughs> to get punched, really. Right. It's more like a emotional damage. Like right, I can't, right. I can't believe I'm being hit. But um, yeah, when people get a little too randy out there, I'm not afraid that. <laughs> take them down mm-hmm. sounds fun so, yeah maybe we oh. should get a maybe we should get a hockey league going in new york city do you wait did you grow up playing i played roller hockey for a couple years oh man this is why yeah maybe we should though you know i you know they have those what are those called those uh street hockey leagues yeah and i went to play in one of them and I got asked to, like, it was co-ed, it was, like, down in, like, Chinatown. I can't even remember who invited me to go play, but I was playing, and, um, and I was just kind of playing hockey, how you play hockey, like, you get your body between the other person and the puck, or the ball in this case, mm-hmm. and I was just doing things that come naturally, to a quarter Canadian uh, guy who played NCAA hockey, not to brag. Um, and then I, they, they made, they gave me like a timeout. It wasn't even a penalty. They were the the ref was like, you can't do that. Oh, and I was man. like, well, I don't understand. And you can't like, you know, in hockey you're supposed to, if someone has their stick uh, after the puck or the ball or whatever. You hit their stick and you lift their stick up so they can't 
Mm-hmm. If someone's passing to them, you lift their stick up, and then they can't catch the pass. Yeah. It's like standard, as you know, moves in hockey. It's how you play hockey. Yeah. And um, so I was doing all of this stuff in short order in this, like, co-ed ball hockey game <laughs> that had, like, refs and stuff. And they were just like, what do you do? They thought I was like, it was like as if I were just walking up and punching people in the face. <laughs> they were flipping out. Just like couldn't, they just couldn't understand where, Yeah. like like how I thought this was okay. And I was just like, they're like, you're so aggressive. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm just trying to have fun playing hockey. And this is how you play hockey. I like the idea of anyone thinking that you, Dave Hill, you're too aggressive. Yeah, they were thinking like I was being real. That's what they said. They're like, you're very aggressive. And I was just, uh, I, and eventually I just left because I was just like, I'm not, I don't know another way to play this game. Like this to my mind is how you play hockey and they were like okay you freak get out of here um anyway so uh anyway yeah so going to the game tonight i have a little very short break and then i go out uh uh it's go out and do some more uh interviews i'm bummed i'm in montreal i was hoping all the interviews would be in french even though I don't, I don't speak it personally, but I thought it would be fun to try. Yeah. Bonjour. Well, are, there, is, are the shows in Montreal in French? Like, if you turn on to, like, the Today Show equivalent? They have both. Like, they switch back and forth? No, they have different channels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um... But uh, oh my gosh, all the new uh, the news, uh, and I'm just kind of scanning the news to see if we can make any topical no. topic jump it's in. <laughs> Aside from Matt Lauer being a rapist, uh, that's it. We have that. And my book's out. Those are the two bullet points. Yeah, and Trump's not cooperating with impeachment. I'm shocking. Mm-hmm. He won't even. I mean, when when he. If he loses the next election, if he gets that far, I don't even think he will. Uh, he'll, he'll leave, leave the White House. Like no, he'll just be like no. That's his his strategy is to just be like no. Yeah, he's just going to be kicking. He tweeted something in the last couple of days about uh, his unmatched wisdom. Mm-hmm. The dumbest man on earth. <laughs> Oh, my God. <clears throat> Let's talk about something else. It's too depressing. Yeah, it is too depressing. I don't know why I tried to... Why start now with being yeah. topical? Why? Uh, I don't know. I generally avoid that kind of stuff, but whatever. We avoid, thanks to my... Uh, we avoid finishing thoughts, even. <laughs> that, too, yeah. Um, but... Uh, should we I... um should we do some Billy Joel calls? We haven't done those in a while. We owe we owe a few. Oh, I w- I don't mind at all. Okay, cool. Just... 
futuristic technology here. We can call them directly from Skype. This is amazing. And then what number shows up? I think it's just unlisted. Unlisted. I hope hope so. I kind of like branch out because I have my favorites. There's certain Billy Joel songs that just really roll off the tongue Mm -hmm. in a way that uh, is very satisfying. So I'm trying to branch out, but I will fail and and there's some classics as as anyone knows mm-hmm. that I, so, I i can't get enough of so for the listener this is um what we do for our patreon subscribers who sign up for the ten dollar a month plan the sweet spot by the way uh merci to anyone who supports us on patreon please if you haven't already and you want us to keep uh cranking out the hot podcast action go to patreon.com forward slash dave hill and uh and you know for as little as a dollar a month um you'll you'll stay off our shit list no just kidding um yeah but there's all sorts of and many prizes all of them amazing um and now here we go well, who are we calling yeah, now? so our first call is going to be to Aaron Dawson. Aaron Dawson. It's Aaron Dawson. It's ringing. Ringing. I don't know why I just said that. Ringing. I don't know why. what's going on with me. I'm very sleep deprived. I should be clear. I can imagine That's a part of it. I'm. Uh, they have me getting up. It's like I'm a surgeon or a paper boy or a serial killer. They, I, I've been getting up at like six in the morning. Ugh. <sighs> the worst your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message oh. system at the tone please record your message when you have finished recording you may hang up or press one for more options listen boy i don't want to see you let a good thing slip away you know <coughs> oh jeez. <coughs> you know, I don't like watching anybody make the same mistakes I made. She's a real nice girl, and she's always there for you. You know, she's always there, but a nice girl wouldn't tell you what you should do. Listen, boy, I'm sure that you think you got it all under control. You don't want somebody telling the way to stay in someone's soul. These lyrics are creepy when you really pay attention. Let's skip ahead a little. Tell her about it. Tell her everything you feel. Give her every reason to accept that you're for real. Oh, how was that? Chris, good. is that? Okay. Yeah, I just, I just hung up. Oh, good. Oh, boy. That was... What a classic Billy Joel number. Yeah. You need... It sounds like you need some uh, water or something. Um. Yeah, it's a real treat. I love. Uh, I as as anyone has heard the calls can tell you. I mean, clearly my range is. I'm right in that. What I like mm-hmm. to call the Joel range. Well, what's the uh, what's the Billy Joel song about phone sex? He has a song about phone sex. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Sometimes a fantasy. That song. Wait, that sometimes if some wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> pull up the lyrics. Okay, do, do we have any more calls? Oh, you're, here it is. Yeah, 
It'll come to me. I didn't wanna. You wanna do it by It's that. It's just the some. See, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just do the chorus, cause that I can, as we just heard, I can hit that out of the park. <laughs> yeah. This is also this is the song that uh, there's a great video of him freaking out at some concert in Russia while this song is playing. Like, like in an angry way. Yeah, he smashes a microphone. Um, Why? He was upset that the the uh, the venue was lighting the crowd or something. Diva behavior. Yeah. He didn't like them being lit. I guess not. Just look it up. It's hilarious. Okay, I didn't mean to. What's it called? Billy Joel Russia. Billy Joel Freakout. Is it really? That's what it's under. Probably, yeah. Billy Joel. Freak, freak out. You're right here. Something does come up. Billy Joel's Red Rage. Oh, this is from the 1987 yeah. tour. It's from peak, peak Billy Joel. Yeah, Billy Joel. He's stop lighting the audience. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> Wait, he's fully insane. Yeah. The best part is you hear you hear the little the guitar player just keeps going yeah it keeps going and then there's like a little weird little like kind of goes out of like out of pitch a little bit the guitar well yeah because he's under attack yeah <laughs> this anyone i can't believe i've never seen this billy joel it's amazing right oh you know there but for the grace grace of god go i what joel I really yeah because I guess it must have been I was my original thinking was uh, that the lighting guy was Russian and probably didn't understand what he was saying but then I'm thinking this is Joel this is Joel he's probably got he's got his own lighting guy he's traveling with wow very upset it's great. I could I could see it though. I've I've had I uh I've never flipped out like that. I used to flip out a little bit when I was younger, but I also thought it was like part of playing in a band that you could like let your because you know my first band we were touring in like the '90s, so I thought you know it was on the tail of the grunge era, yeah. And I thought, oh, you can just whip stuff around if you want. It's cool, yeah. And um. I did throw a few things, you know, when I wasn't even that mad. I was just like, yeah, I'm mildly annoyed right now. Yeah. I had a, um, I had a bass player in a band that I played in. And at one point he yawned on stage. Oh man. Did you, did you stab him? Um, I wanted to, didn't stab him, but I think we got rid of him shortly after that. Oh he had it coming. Yeah. I mean, you can't yawn on stage. It's just not. No. 
that's that's improper. Though I don't know how yawning works. They say like it's uh, I yawn in, in, in opportune times. Mm-hmm. When I once I start yawning and I I just then I turn and I go, oh my god! When mm-hmm. you start opening your mouth like that, and then I make people think, oh no, he's not yawning. Yeah. He's super excited, yeah. but no one no one buys it. All right, well, we got one more call here. All right. James Waskick, I believe. Should should he get a new Billy Joel song? Let's give mm-hmm. him It's Just a Fantasy, too, since we didn't... Yeah. That one, we failed. <laughs> so enraged. Right, it's ringing. Thank you, James. I don't know how hard it could be for Skype to just put in a little ringtone thing. This is Sarah Eberly. I'm not available to take what? your call at the moment. Please leave your name and number, and I will return your call as soon as possible. Thank you. Sounds like a wrong number. At the tone, please record <laughs> Let's your do it anyway. When you finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. It's just a fantasy. Oh, it's not the real thing. Oh, it's just a fantasy. Oh, it's not the real thing. Sometimes a fantasy is all you need. I don't know if it ends that way. Hang up, man. Chris, hang up. Okay. Wait, we didn't. Did we say who that was going to be? Yeah, James Waskick, but it. Wait, yeah, there's James Waskick. That's why I was thrown, because it said it was somebody else. It said it was Sarah something? But that's the number. I'm looking right at it. Do you think... I wonder if James stole Sarah's phone or the other way around. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe. Um, Oh, golly. My golly. Well, Chris, I need to... um, You got a jet. I got a jet, so you're going to have to do wall-to-wall action music. Mm-hmm. Um, in parting, uh, thanks again to everyone uh, supporting on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Dave Hill. Uh, and please rate, review. People have not been rate, reviewing, and subscribing, or at least not rating and reviewing to where I can see it, and my uh, fragile ego gets a, some, uh, at least a temporary bomb yeah. from uh, existential. Uh, Anyway, uh, and then please, I can't stress it enough, please go buy my book, Parking the Moose. These are my demands. Witch Taint at Mercury Lounge, November 22nd. Yeah. Bam. It's going to be fun. It's going to be nuts. We did a band photo the other day. Oh, my God. By Scott Eric Johnson. Did a great job. I have to say it might be the greatest band photo of all time. (laughs) I think it is. Lucy's in it. Yeah, Lucy's. How did you get Lucy to sit that still i'll let you in on a little trade secret well as anyone you know as everyone knows um so um i was on the tick you know the show the tick yeah um with peter serafinovich um and i was uh on that show and, and Griffin Newman's on it. And um, anyway, I'm just, I don't know why I'm now naming everyone on, on the tick. But, uh, well, just out of due diligence. But what happened was um, I, uh, the my scene, there was a dog, a talking German shepherd. And, and I learned the way they get the dog to look at the camera is they hold 
uh, snacks. They hold treats uh, up like right under where you want the dog to look. So they they were doing that the whole time. So when we did the witch chain photo, I just had Scott <laughs> hold these these treats that Lucy likes. Yeah. Uh, I just had him. So it made her. Uh, just kind of look up exactly how we wanted her to in this. It looks like she's kind of being this badass, but she's yeah. really just like, I want that chicken treat. So, it's great. God love her. Yep. Cool. So there. <clears throat> um, okay. Um, what else do we have to tell you? I think uh, let's ride off into the podcasting sunset. We'll pick it up next week. I'm I'm going to be on tour like most of this month mm-hmm. and, uh, but, Oh, I'll survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll survive. I don't know why I'm making it sound like, uh, like I'm Christina Aguilera being checked in the hospital for, uh, exhaustion, exhaustion or something. I mean, this has literally been four days that's been going on. Yeah. Not really that big of a deal. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Keep up the good work, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dave. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Hey, guys. Chris here. Uh, just wanted to pad out this episode a little bit with uh, something a little different. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you will know that uh, for the past few weeks, every weekday, we've been going back through the archives and posting every episode of Dave Hill's podcasting incident from the beginning. Some of these episodes have not been heard in years if at all so uh you really are going to want to hear these there's some great old uh interviews with todd barry malcolm gladwell moby uh nick kroll um uh just julie klausner just so many great interviews that have not been heard in forever so head to patreons five bucks a month and uh what we're going to do now is i'm going to play a segment from episode 84 of dave hill's podcasting incident this was uh while dave was in australia he read from the first chapter of his first book tasteful nudes um so enjoy it's really a hilarious segment and uh, again thanks for supporting us on patreon and we'll see you next week i wanted to do something a little different this episode um as many of you know, because I won't shut up about it, I guess I've been a little bit qu- more, a little bit quieter about it, you know, lately. But I wrote a book called Tasteful Newts, in case you didn't hear. My first book. I'm working on a second book now for Blue Rider Press, Imprint of Penguin. Going to be out next year, hopefully, if I get my shit together. Anyway, here it goes. This is the first essay in my book, Tasteful Newts. It's entitled... Denudo en el mar, which is Spanish for naked at sea. I plugged it into freetranslation.com, uh, the website on the internet that translates stuff. That's what it shot back at me. I think I may have ran a check on it with someone who actually speaks Spanish, but I thought it would be sexy to have a title in Spanish. And, um, as far as I'm concerned, it is. Anyway, it goes like this, Denudo en el mar. I've never been entirely comfortable with nudity, at least not my own anyway. Even though I live alone, for some reason I can never get myself to sleep in the nude, no matter how many great things I hear about it or how much I drink before bed. And I've tried a lot. And just about the only thing I can do in the bathroom with the door wide open is that thing where you look in the mirror and say, Bloody Mary, three times. 
When it comes to other people showcasing their goods, however, I say bring it on. In fact, you might say it's been a bit of a thing with me for some time right for some time now. I spent my childhood dreaming that some doctor or dentist would accidentally leave an old issue of Playboy in the waiting room magazine rack, or that my family would somehow stumble upon the nudist colony on one of our camping trips. And I remember being changed forever at the age of twelve when, one balmy summer day at Jones Beach, I saw one girl lose her top in the waves and another accidentally display her butt while trying to clean sand out of her bathing suit. In the car home later that day, I felt like a man, and it was awesome. The occasional brush with fate or some romantic date's poor judgment aside, I still wanted more in the nudity department. Then, as luck would have it, I was asked to cover a quote-unquote clothing-optional dinner by a now-defunct radio program. We couldn't talk anyone on our staff, or even someone not on our staff, into doing it, they told me. Then your name came up. I'll do it, I'll do it, I said, remaining perfectly calm. As an inquisitive and occasionally hard-hitting journalist, I felt obligated to accept. The fact that I'd be hanging out with a bunch of totally naked people and actually getting paid for it made me feel like I was creating my own destiny. It was as if I had been working toward this moment my whole life. The group behind these clothing-optional dinners held events every few months, usually in some restaurant with a spare banquet room, an open-minded wait staff, and presumably chairs that wiped down easily. But the stars magically aligned, and the dinner I planned to drop in on would be taking place on a small cruise ship that would sexily wend its way around New York City's sexy surrounding waters, as sexy naked people enjoyed what would undoubtedly be one sexy, sexy meal. My great-grandfather was a sea captain, so it was almost as if my past and present had joined forces to give me what would undoubtedly be one of the greatest and most important nights of my life. I was born to be on that boat, damn it. It was a ra rainy evening as I hopped in a cab headed for the water with John, a tech guy the radio show sent along with me to record everything the naked people and I said, and my friend Lucy, who was coming along both for emotional support and in hopes that this naked cruise was going to be every bit as awesome as I kept telling her it would be. Everyone on the boat is going to be fully nude and just kind of free, you know, I told her excitedly. There's also supposed to be a very nice buffet. I'm sorry, Lucy said. It just doesn't sound like my kind of thing. Please, I really need this. Fine, but you owe me one. You got it. I figured if things didn't go as planned, at least I'd be on a boat with a good friend, which is always nice. Also, to be honest, whether I took my clothes off or not, I didn't feel secure enough in my masculinity to go out there with just another dude. The naked boat was setting sail from Sheepshead Bay, an area of Brooklyn that looks like it was once the stomping grounds of sailors, convicts, and whores, but is now a port of call for sexy, sexy people with both a taste for adventure and a distaste for clothes, which is to say, people I totally could not wait to hang out with. I was certain the boat was going to be teeming with open-minded, uninhibited, and totally butt-naked superfoxes, and maybe a handful of dudes with their junk out that I would just have to accept as part of the deal. As our cab pulled up to the docks, it wasn't hard to spot the naked party boat. It was practically radiating good times. Even from far away, I could see large swatches of flesh passing sexily by the boat's windows. 
Come to us, Dave, you succulent man. I swore I heard them call from the distance. We're waiting. My expectations, however, were dealt their first blow as soon as we got a little closer, and myopia was no longer on my side. There, awaiting our arrival in the boat's entryway, was Ron, the event organizer, and, to his credit, the brains behind the operation. Pale, freckled, and fifty-ish, Ron wore only glasses and had a, a build not unlike a lopsided baked potato with four toothpicks shoved into it. One gut picked up just below where the first one left off, and, well, I was determined not to investigate any further south after that. Whatever, I'm not here to look at dudes anyway, I thought. Welcome, Ron said with a firm, yet slightly too long handshake. I'm so happy you've decided to cover our little event here. It's my pleasure, I said before immediately questioning that statement. Wonderful, Ron said. Now climb aboard. We'll be setting sail just as soon as everyone gets situated. As I quickly learned in Ron's vocabulary, situated meant pantsless. At this point, I was starting to think maybe this would be like the movie Eyes Wide Shut, where all the men were old and flabby, but all the women were still scorching hot for some reason. But that delusion was shattered only seconds later, as Ron led me to the main dining area of the boat. There I was greeted by about thirty absolutely nude men and women in their forties and fifties, a shameless sea of pasty flab, cellulite, and slowly graying pubic hair. Usually we have a bigger group, Ron explained, but the rain has kept a lot of folks away. Are you sure it's the rain? I wanted to ask him. To be fair, this wasn't necessarily an unattractive bunch. They more served to illustrate the fact that most people should probably keep covered up at all times than, for example, the idea that ugly people simply can't wait to drop their pants in a group setting. The exception, of course, were the half-dozen gay men seated together in one corner, who were uniformly toned and tanned from head to toe. As I understand it, most gay men receive a gym membership in the mail immediately after even grazing a male crotch other than their own for the first time, so this wasn't a surprise, really. As I slowly made my way around the boat, I decided to take my shirt off in a show of solidarity. Pale, flabby, somehow skinny and fat at the same time, and with enough random patches of body hair to single-handedly prove the theory of evolution, I'm not exactly headed for the cover of men's fitness anytime soon myself. Still, I was confident my looks, or lack thereof, would land me squarely between Ron and the table of gay guys, so I figured I might as well go for it. You're not going to take your off your pants, Ron teased me. Baby steps, Ron, I told him. Baby steps. Oh, come on, Dave, he persisted. Why not just see how you feel without them for a bit? For me? What happened to the optional part in clothing optional, I wondered. He could have at least offered to buy me a drink or told me how nice my hair looked first. But among other things, tonight was about acceptance. So Ron let the whole thing about me keeping my wedding tackle under wraps slide as he, as he began to further explain what exactly I was in for once we pulled up anchor and headed into the extra-friendly waters. There's only one rule at our dinners, Ron smiled. No hot soup. He said that last part like it was the group's official slogan. I wanted to suggest to get it printed on 
printed up on t-shirts, but it seemed pointless. And as it turned out, there was another rule besides that one. Everyone has to put a towel down on the chair, on their chair before sitting, a courtesy that, I'm guessing, facilitates both sanitary table hopping and Ron getting his deposit back. As Ron continued bringing me up to speed, I couldn't help but notice he is one of those people who stands just a little too close to you when he's talking, a de detail greatly magnified by the fact that his senior vice president was flapping in the breeze as he spoke to me. Still, I had a job to do, so I held my ground and began asking the tough questions. What about erections? I asked. What about them? Ron replied. Well, aren't, are they frowned upon or not at all? I asked with a wink. It rarely happens, he explained, as if you were reading aloud from some member literature. But if it does, we ask that the owner simply be discreet about it and excuse himself. Good to know, I said. But I think you'll find this is a completely non-sexual environment, Ron continued. I couldn't have agreed with him more, but I think my reasons were different than his. A moment later, Ron's wife, Elaine, walked over to join in the fun. Again, I have no doubt she was a perfectly attractive woman with clothes on, but all natural, she was just further proof of what I've been saying since the 80s. No one should ever take their clothes off in front of another human unless there is either a medical emergency, the prospect of friction, or a significant amount of money changing hands. For starters, Elaine's personal lawn care choices made her look almost like she was wearing a snow-covered ghillie suit. I'd go on, but I'm kind of a gentleman. How are you enjoying yourself so far? Elaine asked me. I'm just so happy to be at sea, I said, struggling for an answer. Yeah, it's so nice and breezy, she agreed. With Elaine at his unencumbered side, Ron quickly turned to her for backup on how their group dinners were more about enjoying a nice meal with like-minded folks than checking out other people's gender bits. The thing about our group is no one is going around looking at other people's privates or anything like that, Elaine said firmly. It's just not what we're about. Of course not, Elaine, I agreed. May I call you Elaine? Sure. Anyway, one thing I always say to people about these dinners is that I've never had so many people look me directly in the eyes. I didn't doubt it, but that just seemed to be about survival more than anything else. I had been on the boat for less than ten minutes and was already worried I'd, be, I'd need to be treated for post-traumatic stress disorder once I got back on dry land. Once my conversation with Ron and Elaine ran, ahem, bare, I decided to make my way to the bar. Normally I try to avoid drinking on the job, but I felt like I had plenty of excuses this time, so I ordered myself a beer. The bartender, an employee of the cruise line, evidently looking to join in the fun, was working shirtless tonight. Acknowledging each other's pants, we gave a there but for the grace of God go I look to each other before I turned around to do some sexy mingling. By this time, Lucy, who had wandered off on her own shortly after we came aboard in order to let me wear my journalist hat, was already deep in conversation with a handful, handful of naked people at a nearby table. The fact that she seemed remained the fact that she remained fully clothed must have rendered her exotic in their eyes, as they were showing her, showering her with attention. As soon as I walked over to join them, however, 
they grew quiet. Thanks to Ron, word that I was a reporter had already made its way around the boat, and no one was too eager to be outed as a practicing nudist by me, the guy with a notepad and completely fastened pants. People at my job wouldn't understand, a mustachioed man with a dangling earring explained to me. Really? That's strange, I said, trying to sound sympathetic. So you're not exactly crazy about wearing pants? Big deal. That's what I think, he agreed. Some man you just can't reach, I told him, shaking my head. There was a reporter and photographer from the New York Times on the boat, too. But they seemed to, they, but they seemed to be taking the proceedings, proceedings from afar, as if they were at the zoo, not getting right into the pen like I was. I suppose in that way I was a bit more threatening. Plus, with the exception of the gay guys, I had the closest thing to a six-pack going on the entire starboard side which wasn't saying a whole lot, but it must have been a little intimidating under the circumstances. Are you okay? I whispered to Lucy as I tried to blend in with her and her new friends. Yeah, these people are really nice, she whispered back. Really weird, but nice. Pretty strong words coming from the only person on this boat with all her clothes on, I said while pulling up a chair. No sooner did I get settled in with Lucy and the naked people than Ron rang the dinner bell. Across from the bar was a banquet table covered in heaping trays of food. It turns out naked people eat pretty much the same stuff that clothed people do. Salad, string beans, salmon, bow tie, pasta, and a beef dish of some sort. The difference, however, was that in this scenario, people's junk dangled just inches from the hot plates and Bunsen burners. I would have thought this situation called for a pud guard of sorts, but clearly this gang didn't have hang-ups like I did. I cringed as I watched a man's leaky faucet come dangerously close to plunging into a bowl of honey-mustard vinaigrette. Sir, uh, I said to him, yes? Never mind. Suddenly my hunger trumped any other issues I might have had at the moment, so I powered through, skipping the salad yet filling my plate to the edge like the hearty fourth-generation seaman I am. Settling in back at a table with the naked people, I attempted to get their stories. A fairly equal mix of men and women. Some wore facial hair, some not. Some wore pubic hair, some not. It was a good start, but I wanted to learn more. So what brings you here tonight? I asked. Are you all nudists, looking to mix things up with a little bit of with a little boating? Or is it maybe the other way around? Despite my sincere interest, most of them kept quiet, and the ones that were willing to speak with me did so as if they had just taken a media training seminar for people who hate clothes. This isn't about sex. This is about being together in our, in our natural state. A man with hair on his chest and nowhere else told me as the rest of the naked people nodded in agreement. I decided to take them at their word, mostly because I was whatever the opposite of horny is at that point, and it wasn't hard to agree that this night had absolutely, positively nothing to do with sex. Still, their answer didn't exactly explain why an attendee who introduced himself as the wolf got dressed only from the waist up once a cool breeze rolled in. What's with the sweatshirt, I asked. I'm cold, the wolf said. Are you cold just from the waist up then, or... I persisted. No, I'm cold all over. Why no pants then? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I just don't know. So it really is all about having your beef, beef thermometer out then, right? 
I asked the wolf as professionally as I knew how. It felt like an aha moment to me, but the wolf just continued to dodge the question. That didn't stop me from getting at least a few answers out of him, though. Apparently the wolf first got into nudism after seeing a sign for nude camping grounds while he was out for a drive one day. Wasting no time, he pulled over and joined in the fun. Even more impressive was the fact that this was the wolf's first time at one of these quote-unquote clothing-optional dinners, and he had come alone. I can't imagine circumstances that would cause me to show up somewhere all by myself for the very first time and just whip my master of ceremonies out like that. It was was hard not to admire the guy, at least a little bit. Once the naked people and I had had our fill of the buffet, a a gaggle of us headed to the upper deck to enjoy some some of that sea air, though admittedly them more than me. Lucy stayed behind and continued to hold court with some other naked people. Her clothes still on, the, the naked people simply could not look away. The upper deck was some was sort of an observation deck turned dance floor. There was another bar up there, so I decided to throw some more gasoline on the fire by buying another round for me and some of my new friends. Or so I thought they were. Separated from Lucy... I no longer had an ally, and the naked people wasted no time in pressuring me to join the ranks. How about losing those pants, a fifty-ish earth mother type with a long gray braid suggested coyly. You just want to see my package, I protested. Again, they all denied having any interest in that sort of thing, and simply suggested I join them so that I might better understand what they were all about. You're a journalist, they pleaded. How can you report on tonight without truly experiencing it? I feel like I'm getting a pretty good sense of things, I said defensively, while subtly making sure my belt was fastened and my fly was still up. Please, the earth mother said, rolling her eyes. A few sips of beer later, I decided to throw the naked people a bone and took my jeans off. I had to admit the breeze was nice, even with my boxers still on. But with my assets still shrouded in breathable cotton, my gesture meant little to them. That doesn't count, Dave, the Earth Mother scolded. Give us your underwear. Look, if you really want to see my dick so badly, why don't you just come out and say it, I told them. No one wants to look at your dick, Dave, the guy with the dangling earring assured me. Okay, fine. So you just want to see my balls then, is that it? I countered. Admittedly, the sometimes cruel rhythms of the sea had me a bit nauseous by this point, so I was starting to spout nonsense. We told you, we're not about any of that stuff, a woman with a full Brazilian chimed in. No, Dave, the earth mother seconded. Now please, join us. Yeah, Dave, the dangling earring guy chimed in with a new-agey grin. Join us. I don't know if it was the sea air, the alcohol, or Donna Summer blaring over the boat's sound system that did it, but I was starting to believe them, and as the fleshy mob slowly surrounded me, I was also beginning to think I had little choice but to lose my boxers or jump overboard. All right, I told him. I'll do it. At that, the naked people cheered in unison, as if they had all won tickets to see our revival of Oak Calcutta. Kind of like submerging yourself in a freezing swimming pool, I figured dropping my boxers gradually would only make things worse, so I whipped them off in one swift, jerking, scream-filled motion. 
and immediately following that motion, my genitals practically caught fire from the amount of stares they received from the naked people. You're all looking at my package, I screamed. You're totally just, I totally just busted all of you. Come on, Dave, the lady with the hairless infield blushed. It's not like we're not going to take a little peek. A little peek? You were all just staring, and you, and you know it. Silence. These people disgusted me. Or did they? After all, I was now one of them. And I have to admit, after that initial tension subsided, I kind of liked it. No, no sooner had I dropped my boxers than the naked people suddenly dropped all that it's-not-sexual crap. They had been trying to feed me all night. I'm also a member of a polyamory group, the Earth Mother cooed at me. I'm shocked, I deadpanned. It turned out that, in addition to her office job, she ran an S&M-themed side business where her specialty involved strapping on a pair of high heels and kicking customers right in the clangers. And the guy with the dangling earring and the lady with the bald vagina? Together they were part of a swingers group, and had been riding one another like a mechanical bull since the early 90s. You have a very nice package, the Earth Mother told me, as if she were admiring my tie. Admittedly, I had to ask her several times before she was willing to give me her opinion on the matter, but it was still nice to hear her talk so freely like that. Your stuff is uh, nice too, I responded, not sure what I meant, but wanting to return the compliment somehow. The more I opened up to the naked people, the more they opened up to me. With my dingle-dangle twisting in the night air, I was no longer a journalist, but simply a fresh new face joining them for a night in the high and sexy seas. I can't help but notice you have no hair on your vagina, I said matter-of-factly to the woman with no hair on her vagina. Nope, I sure don't, she smiled. You're a very observant young man. Thanks, I get that a lot. I turned... It turned out she had been waxing her downtown real estate for years now and couldn't imagine turning back. The guy with the dangling earrings seemed just as excited about it as she did. You should try it, she said eagerly. Yeah, you should try it, the guy with the dangling earring agreed, turning toward me. The balls on this guy. Literally. Sorry, folks. You can take my dignity, but you can't take my shrubbery. I need that. For a lot of stuff. With the playing field leveled and a full inventory taken of both my best and worst features by my fellow naked people, we decided to take a stroll together around the upper, de upper deck of the boat to take in a bit of the night breeze, which, with my boxers now draped over a nearby railing, really seemed to be picking up all of a sudden. To maintain some, to maintain some sense of decorum, I yelled down to Lucy to tell her that, in order to pre preserve our friendship, I really needed her to stay on the lower deck until the show was over. To her credit, she was fine with it. The naked people, not so much. Why won't you let her see you naked? The Earth Mother asked. Because I don't want a scar for life, I explained. But I already told you, you have a very nice package, she countered. Thanks, and it means a lot. But I'm really going to need everyone to respect my wishes here, okay? Fine. As we sexily made our way toward the ship's bow... We, we naked people happened upon the photographer from the Times, an attractive female 20-something, who was busy snapping away like she had just spotted Jennifer Aniston on the town with a new boyfriend. I was surprised to find myself equally embarrassed and titillated as the fact that my chancellor 
had shown up to the party slowly registered across her face. Oh no, the hot New York Times photographer can see my package, half of me thought. Oh, cool, the hot New York Times photographer can see my package, the other half thought. As the Times photographer did her best to pull herself together at the sight of me, I continued to let the night air have its way with me. But no sooner had I grown accustomed to the all-new, all-nude me than the ship's fully clothed captain announced that the ship would soon be arriving back at shore, that dreaded netherworld, where clothes were not only the norm, they were required by law. With that, my fellow skin aficionados and I headed for the stairs, back down to the main level. Before I descended, I I decided to put my boxers and pants back on. Not only did I want Lucy to run, not not only did I not want Lucy to run screaming at the sight of me, but I didn't feel like sharing Naked Dave with those who had remained downstairs all night. Naked Dave was only for my fellow naked upper deckers, the ones who had really earned it. Once back on the main level, I ran into big butt naked Ron again. Apparently, the legend of Naked Dave had made its way down to the main level well before my triumphant return. So. How'd you like it, Ron asked. It was nice, I told him. But just so you know, the first thing everyone did was look at my package. You might want to have a little talk with these people. Come on, Dave, Ron shrugged. It's not like we're gonna we're not gonna take a little peek. Whatever. As dry and as dry land slowly came into focus, my fellow birthday suit boosters and I pulled the rest of our clothes back on like ancient slaves reluctantly refastening our own shackles. Not surprisingly, there was no shortage of tie-dye and batik ensembles, new-age jewelry, and other stuff I had already chosen to imagine them in during those moments when all that skin got to be a bit more than I could handle. And it was safe to say that, without exception, everyone was a whole lot more attractive covered up a little bit. I even wanted to tell some of them they looked so good with clothes on It was almost hard to believe how horrifying they looked naked. But suddenly it dawned on me how that might not sound like the compliment I meant it to be. That's a really fun top, I said to to the Earth Mother instead. Yeah, it's okay, she said, clearly struggling with having to cover up. Once we were safely docked, my new friends and I made our way back to shore, where I noticed a handful of clothes-loving landlubbers loitering near the dock. Guess what? We were all just totally naked out there on that boat. I wanted to yell out to them. Butts, boobs, Johnsons, hoo-hahs, everything. But in the end, I thought better of it. Sure, it would have been awesome, but it might not have been cool, especially with me being a serious journalist and all. Before we went our separate ways, the Earth Mother, the guy with the dangling earring, the woman with the shaved infield, and I all exchanged business cards. They wanted me to get in touch with them as soon as my story came out, and I wanted to see if their business cards said anything about how much they are totally into getting naked all the time. In case you were wondering, not even a mention. I know, I thought it was weird too. A couple days after my sexy night at sea, I received a coquettish email from the Earth Mother. My my polyamory group has regular outings to the beach. We have a bonfire and lots of lots of fun, she wrote. You should really think about joining us sometime. That was two years ago. I'm still thinking about it. And there you have it. The first essay in my book, Tasteful Nudes. Read, 
you know, and stumbled over and whatnot by me, Dave Hill. <laughs>